Honest facts, dynamic conversations and powerful financial strategies that will help you craft a blueprint for your future. Welcome to We Money Talk with the founder and CEO of We Alliance Wealth Advisors, Terry Wheeler. You want to have enough money in retirement to live comfortably. The big question is, how much will you need? And that depends on how long you live. Your host, Terry Wheeler, is with me to delve into longevity and the fear of outliving your money. I'm Patrice Sikora. You know, Terry, once upon a time, people who worked had pensions when they retired, and retirement didn't usually last the 30 plus years that it can now. So should retirees be concerned with living beyond their money? Well, hello, Patrice. Um, first of all, I just want to say I'm extremely excited. This is our first substantive topic for our podcast. So we're excited to jump in, roll up our sleeves. I've got my cup of coffee. So hopefully everybody has theirs and um, let's just jump right in. So to answer your question, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, pensions went away back in the 70s, roughly 1974. At a set of laws called ERISA were passed, which were designed to revolutionize retirement planning for people. And what it actually did is it shifted responsibility for saving for retirement from the big uh, corporations to individuals. So mm. pensions went away. It signaled the death of pensions. And in the 80s, pensions uh, very quickly began to fade away. And hardly anybody, unless you're working for the government or a few key organizations, hardly anybody gets a pension anymore. Um, so longevity, the fear of outliving your money is the number one fear retirees have. So you would think that maybe uh, death and dying, that whole process would be the number one fear. It's actually not. It's very squarely outliving your money. Um, so I'm glad we're going to talk about that today. It's it's real, as we're going to show you, and it's uh, something that needs to be dealt with in every portfolio. It's hard to believe that the fear of living is something that is that beats the fear of dying. Yeah, I mean, it, you work so hard in the accumulation years that once you get to retirement, that's supposed to be the payday. You're supposed to be able to enjoy your retirement, do those things that you love, that you've worked so hard for and put off so that you could retire someday. Uh, it shouldn't be a stressful experience. So we, we work real hard to take away a lot of that stress from people. And some of the ideas we're going to talk about today, um, we're going to jump right in and tackle the single biggest one, that fear about living your money. Well, first of all, how do you measure longevity? How do you know how long you're, you should plan for? Yeah, so longevity, uh, first of all, I would say, what is longevity? Mm -hmm. So longevity, we, we commonly think of as how long do I live? What's, what's the quantity of years that I have for retirement that I have to plan for? And then the second thing is that we look at or we add to the equation is quality of years. And that is perhaps more important. So when you look at your retirement, there, there are some people who unfortunately succumb to there's there's four major things that take down most Americans as far as chronic illnesses, cancer being one of them, heart disease being being one of the the key ones that gets people early too. Those four key things often cause people to be in a situation where they die for a long time. Meaning, do you want to live long, live till you're 95, 100, and then die in one day? Or do you want to live till you're 95 and 100, but be dying for 15 years? For me, I would rather have less years, but die quickly, but it depends on each of us. Uh, but we look at longevity from the standpoint of how do we both determine and maximize the years that we do have. And how do we make them quality years, not just quantity years? 
So we do a custom longevity study for every individual. That's part of the process that we start. Um, and in the show notes, let's put a link uh, where anybody who wants to have a custom longevity study, they can click on that link and they can take it. It takes about three minutes to go through and it's it's very powerful. Um, so we start with that. So let me, let me start by talking about that just for a moment. So those of you that are watching us on YouTube, you can see a little example, but I'm going to just walk you through it. So when you talk about longevity, longevity is often measured by life expectancy tables. Right. Well, life expectancy tables throw all of us together. So yes, they're good for the general population, but if you can narrow that down and you can address things like, do you have heart disease in your past? Do you have longevity? Do you have you know parents or grandparents that lived into their nineties or, or even hundreds? Do you have cancer in your history, either personally or siblings or parents? So a handful of questions that go over what we call genetic markers, as well as a handful of questions that go over some of your key habits. So are you a heavy drinker? Are you a smoker? Some of these things really reduce life expectancy. So by asking a few questions in about three minutes, we can now look at a custom longevity life expectancy table effectively. So for a life expectancy table, that is a powerful tool because now we have a much more accurate view of how long somebody that is retiring may live. So give you an example, we've had individuals, I've, I've got an, an individual here that I'm going to describe that they have a 50% probability of living until they're 89 years old. That is roughly three to year, four years longer than statistical normal life expectancy. And they have a full 26% chance of making it until 96. So an individual like this with a long life expectancy, they do need to fear outliving their money because there are real risks in traditional portfolio management. And if you don't change your ways from the way you were accumulating money, you just do the same thing in retirement, it can be devastating. Couple things that we, we're gonna address here is one, what, how do you determine your life expectancy, which doing an analysis like this really helps. And then two, how do you increase your chances? So when we say you have a 50% chance of making it to 86 or 26% chance of making it to 95, how do you increase your odds? And part of that, which will, will be the subject of one of our future podcasts, is going to be through some easy things you can do on the health side, nothing to do with financial, on the health side to be proactive in your healthcare, to monitor properly, not what the doctors normally do. The standard tests are reactive, not proactive enough. Mm -hmm. There are simple things that you can do that can really help you take control of your healthcare and give you a higher probability of not only meeting whatever your statistical life expectancy table will say once you do a customized report, but beat it. Um, so one book I recommend is a book called Outlive. And we give it to our clients. If they'll commit to reading it, we give them a copy. It's a great book that really goes over health and how to be a proactive advocate and increase your longevity. So long-winded answer, I know, but figuring out what is longevity in your case is a very critical first step. And then the last thing I want to mention is we, we do a lot of wealth planning for couples. So you've got to look at both reports, and then you've got to do a little bit of math to figure out what are the odds of one or the other 
having longevity because I'll, I'll steal my thunder from a little bit later. But if you've got longevity, we can show you things in your portfolio where you can profit very handsomely by beating the statistical life expectancy tables that apply to the masses and instead focusing on your particular life expectancy table. Right so, now, well, right now, Terry, what, what is the age that most, most planning tops out at? Is it 85? Is it 90? Is it 95? Is it 100? I mean, statistically, about 85 to 86, depending on if you're a man or a woman, is your normal life expectancy. But the longer you live, the longer you're expected to live. So those tables change depending on your current age. For us, doing these reports for quite a while now, the the highest I've seen was a 50-50 chance of making it to 101. Wow. 50% chance. But then we discovered an error in the way this is this is a woman client of mine. She answered something wrong. So we went back and reran it with the correction. And her life expectancy was 97 years old. That was the 52% in her case where the odds that she would make it that long. And it was like a 26% chance of her making it to, I think it was 104 or 105. But we commonly see people that are living into their, have life expectancies into their 90s, mainly because we, we tend to manage money for people who have portfolios and people who have wealth tend to have more resources and take better care of themselves. And they're oftentimes kind of up to speed on what it takes to get better longevity. And they're doing some good things already. And if they're not, we try to get them on the right track. All right. We, so we, so what are some of your strategies here? So strategies, let's, let's go back first, if we could, and just talk about, is there really a problem? Mm -hmm. So one thing, I, I'm not going to go through through everything in detail, but we, we always show clients a chart and it talks about how the market goes up and down. And there are, there are a variety of periods you can look at. One that we're gonna kind of just summarize is a period of roughly 2000 through 2019. So including the year 2000. So this is a 20 year period. Now this period is near and dear to my heart because my, my mother had retired from one of those companies where she had a pension they got rid of it and turned it into a 401k and she retired and had to manage money all of a sudden for the first time really in her life. And she retired um, in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. And then so right in 2000, she was still in her late 50s. So very young, retired. And then we had what we all know happened was the tech crash, which hit in 2001, two and three. Uh, beginning in late 2000, actually. So when that happened, if you had your money in stocks, let's say, and you were withdrawing your money at just a 4% rate. Now, stocks pay dividends, so maybe you were getting almost 5%. But let's say you're, you're, you're withdrawing at a 4% rate from your stock portfolio. That typically is seen as a, a safe rate of withdrawal. Well, what happened over the ensuing 20 years, if you just took out that 4% on a million dollar portfolio, that'd be 40,000 a year. By the time you get to the end of 2019, your million dollars is only $345,000. Now that's a 4% rate of withdrawal. Now the reason is volatility. When the markets go down and you're withdrawing money, your money never has time to recover. Right. So a lot of people have been taught all their lives a 60-40 stock bond portfolio. And as you get older, you do a little bit less stocks and a little bit more bonds. 
Well, we've been living through a period the last few years where bonds have returned almost nothing the last three years. Stocks have been very dismal. They're finally recovering. Uh, but if you were re retiring just a few years ago, you might be going through a very similar start to your retirement. And it does put you and at the very least, the inheritance for your kids at risk. So in my mom's case, we had already started embracing some of these concepts. So we didn't live through this. We did protect her. Uh, but if we hadn't, she would have had to have gone back to work. And that's not figuratively, that's literally. So you, you, we all see people that are kind of seniors at, at uh, Walmart or something, and they're acting as greeters. And, and I have a, a friend of mine that tells a story where he spoke to somebody in his town and the guy had his money in stocks. He went through the crash and he was an astute investor and he got the job so that he didn't have to take any money out of his portfolio. So it could have time to recover. And at the time that he met this guy, it was a full seven years and he still hadn't recovered yet. So that's seven years of your life that's gone that you should have been enjoying retirement. So yes, we absolutely should be fearful of this. It's a real fear. It is not fear monger mongering. It is something you have to tackle. Now, the good news is there's more than one way to tackle it that is very effective. So we absolutely can address this. You just have to be smart about how you structure your portfolio. I think this is called the sequence of returns, correct? Sequencing um, of returns. Yes. yes. I, usually, I usually try to stay away from those big <laughs> words, but yes, it's it's volatility or just how the returns come. If you if they hit you wrong, right. you retire near the top of a market and you've got a couple of crashes ahead of you, your portfolio is going to go through an awful lot of stress and likely won't recover. Absolutely. And I think the uh, the phrase you used, which was uh, money does not have time to recover. That's that's the key right there. You don't have the time to recover what you've lost. That's exactly right. So I think um, I think this longevity risk is real. The key is how do we address it? What can we do? So again, long-winded answer, and now I'll get to your actual question. So what, what can be done? So there, there's a number of things. So first, first thing that we always look at is we try to break down clients' needs into, into categories. And we look at what, what I refer to as needs, wants, and wishes. So needs are the bare bones, meaning you have to have this money to meet your basic obligations, whether you have a mortgage, you got you got to put food on the table, you've got to pay the electricity. So your basic needs. So not the way you want to retire, just the, the very basics. And then you've got your wants. To me, the wants are mandatory also. Your wants is what retirement should look like. So being able to maybe travel or play golf or whatever it is you enjoy doing, that you have some money to do that, to replace your car every so many years. Maybe help the kids out once in a while if you need to. And then you have your wishes, which are the things that if you have to live without, you're going to be just fine. You're still retired. You're still good. We in our practice want to at least cover the needs and oftentimes the wants in a strategy we call a private pension. And a private pension is literally doing nothing more than what the, the big blues of the world. If you remember IBM, they used to have pensions. Um, I don't know if they still do, but I, I doubt it. Most corporations have gone away with them, at least for the rank and file um, employees. So if you didn't, if you had a pension, you used to be able to retire. You got a, a gold watch and, and you went off into retirement and you got a nice paycheck from your corporation up until you died. And if you live till you're 75, your pension stopped when you died, unless you had spousal benefits, then it would continue for their lifetime. If you lived until you were 105, it continued for you. Mm -hmm. 
So the key is that went away. So now once your money is gone, all you have left is social security. So social security was only designed, as you mentioned in the intro, to last for a very short period of time. And now some people retire and they're living almost as long as they were working in their life. So you might work for 40 years and you could very well be retired for 40 years if you retire at 60 and make it to 100. So people will start social security somewhere between 62 to 70, uh, 70 and a half roughly, depending on what your elections are. So first tool is social security optimization. Now, which choice should you make comes down to a number of things, but it hinges primarily on longevity. So when we do that custom longevity analysis, one thing we use that for is we can determine with mathematical statistical uh, statistics on our side, which option you should make. Because I have a client that his life expectancy was 79. He should make a very different choice than the sample client whose life expectancy uh, was 89. And if you're going to live till you're 95, it's very different than that 79-year-old. So we want to choose the right options both for you and for your spouse. We have to look at both social securities, both sets of health, and make the right election. But social security, um, I live here in California. Social security, you're at the poverty level if that's all you have is social security. So we need more than that. So we supplement that with a private pension concept. And we can do that the same way and a lot of these big corporations have done. So my my mom had worked for Pac Bell and and then the they got split up to what was called the Baby Bells and then AT&T right. ended up owning just about everything again. <laughs> uh, but AT&T interestingly enough uses one of the same companies we utilize for the private pension. So so real pensions use these same strategies. You can opt to have part of your portfolio be a pension. So money that you cannot outlive. Uh if you have a 97-year life expectancy, not only does this serve as a good bond holder in your portfolio, so we use this as part of your bond allocation, but this also allows you to profit immensely if you live beyond the statistical life expectancies for the general population because they're designing these numbers so that you run out of money at your statistical life expectancy for the general population. Well, if you live till you're 97, you're going to be getting money from the group of investors that wasn't yours because some of them died at 79. Some of them died at 95 like you, and you're going to profit from that just like in a traditional pension. So it's a pooling of risk. So if I die early, I didn't need all that money. My family still gets what I didn't spend, but the pension benefit goes away unless I have spousal benefits, which I happen to have. The way mine is structured, my wife and I are both covered. If you live, let, let's say you live until you're 95 and you ran out of money at, let's say, 87 and you were getting 5,000 a month, these are structured to where you continue to get that 5,000 a month. Plus, in many of them, you continue to get raises every few years. So we, we've run some numbers where some clients, they could get a modest return on, you know, bonds are paying four to 6%. You could get a modest return. And if you actually make it till 95, 96, 97, your returns going back to day one could average over double digits. So hmm. it all depends on you, but the goal is protect you so you don't have to worry about outliving money. So private pensions is one of those tools. 
but not the only one. Uh, <laughs> Tell us more. So another tool is what we call a volatility buffer. So volatility buffers are just strategies that protect the downside. So we showed the chart of, of the S&P over a period from roughly 2000 to 2019, so a 20-year period. In that chart, if you would have instead in the down years got a zero, so you didn't make huge anything. Huge difference, huge difference. Yeah. yeah, so Warren Buffett is famous for saying, saying the first rule of investing is don't lose money. And the second rule of investing is don't forget rule number one. Now, the reason is it takes so much to get back to break even. So we teach our clients a lot about um, average versus real. So mutual funds, you'll see TV commercials and stuff where they're touting their average return. Average returns are completely irrelevant. Real returns are all that matters. So let me give you a simple example. Year one, you lose half of your money in the stock market. So just like 2001 in the tech crash, you lost well over half your money. 2008, you lost over half your money again in the stock market. So you lost half your money. You had a million to start with in the stock market. Now you have 500,000. Let's say year number two, the very next year, the market completely recovers. So it goes from 500,000 back to a million. That's a 100% return on your money because you had 500 and you doubled it in one year. So year one, you had negative 50%. Year two, you had positive 100. The way you compute averages is you add those together. So 100, 100 plus a negative 50 is 50 divided by two years. You're averaging 25% a year. Congratulations. Yet you've made $0. And if you're paying fees to your advisors, you've actually lost maybe 1% a year. Yeah. So you're in a situation where you're being told by your mutual fund company that you're averaging 25% and you made nothing. So people often wonder why they look at a brochure, they look at an advertisement, and it's averaging this great number and they never seem to experience it. They all just think they have bad luck. It's not bad luck. It's because they're lying to you. Nobody makes averages. Only real returns matter. So for retirement, this is this is very critical because there are strategies where in those down years, you can break even. And then in the up years, you're not going to get 100% of your return. So depending on the strategy, it will vary. Uh, but let's say you get 60 to 80% of the upside. Over the long run, you will likely keep up with or beat the S&P 500. In fact, at 80%, you'll beat it handily. And you can do that. That's one of the strategies that we build for clients. Um, it's it's a structuring strategy, but we don't buy structured products or structured notes is what they're called. Typically, we build them uh, because they're so much safer and so much more liquid. So volatility buffers, along with private pensions, we usually do both. We don't do one or the other. They both work very well hand in hand. Um, and then we also want to, we don't want to ignore the old fashioned pension. So we work a lot with uh physicians and for there's about three major companies in our area one of them gives good pensions the other two do not uh, but for those physicians uh, we want to do pension maximization strategies and not to continue to harp on the custom longevity report but that's going to give you tremendous guidance as to what option you should take um, so we want to maximize social security maximize pensions and then you utilize the private pension concept if you're not one of those fortunate ones to have the a a pension um, and use volatility buffers. And those combined can give you a very 
stress-free retirement when it comes to the fear of outliving your money if you do it right. You can at least make sure your basics are covered. Um, hopefully, your needs and wants are covered. So I, if I'm hearing you, it, it's uh, the private pension, the volatility buffer. Basically, you're you're protecting the downside with this? Yeah, volatility buffer protects the downside. Uh, so in investing, we talk about correlation of assets. Uh, the the current theme of investing, 60-40 stock bond portfolio has been dead, and it's very dead for retirees. You have to have volatility buffers to do it right, or you're really taking on undue risk. Uh, so anywhere from 15 to 25% of the portfolio, depending on who you speak to, should be the minimum that you have in some sort of volatility buffer type strategies. The back testing we've done, that those numbers should be a bit higher. Um, but you still have some traditional stocks in most portfolios, traditional bonds. Uh, we do what we call a defined duration strategy for both of those. Uh, so they're still a, a meaningful part of your portfolio, but you need to go beyond the 60-40 with volatility buffers to, to help increase your returns, along with a couple other things we use to build proper portfolios. Are there any other strategies you want to talk about before I ask you whether we really should be afraid? <laughs> so I, I think the other thing that's that's somewhat exciting with these custom longevity reports is it gives us a roadmap how to profit from your longevity. Oh. So let's take away the fear of outliving your money and let's just talk about maximizing your portfolio. So if you have a life expectancy and we have we have a client where both the husband and wife have a life expectancy over 50% chance of making it beyond 95. Mm. So combined, their chances are massively in their favor that one of them at least is going to make it beyond 95. So we did a joint life expectancy approach here where we get to continue to get money until the second of them passes away. In fact, that's the version that my wife and I have. And it's, it's I don't have that 97-year-old life expectancy. I'm just an optimist. Um but but the key is if something happens to me, I know Angela is taken care of. I know that her basics are covered along with our social security. And we we don't have pensions because I've been in business for myself most of my life. Um, this gives us a private pension. And if we live till 95 or even one of us does, this is part of the bond or fixed income allocation in our portfolio. It's going to shatter what bonds does more, more likely than not. So um we are, have positioned it to hopefully very much profit and beat the traditional bond allocation in, the, in this approach. Okay. Uh, so another one, I just want to kind of give the flip side of that coin. Let's say you, you have a life expectancy of 79. And let's say you also, uh, part of the longevity is we give some predictions as to how long you might need long-term care. And it's very enlightening for a lot of people because they don't need it for nearly as long as they think because the, the fear mongers, as, as I call them, will often try to give you the worst case scenario like that happens to everybody and, and it rarely happens. Um, but with long-term care, we can get an idea of what we need to plan for. So if you have a life expectancy of 79, we can go into other strategies that may amplify your returns, but they don't work so well if you live beyond 85. They begin to get very watered down. So they look great on paper, but if you live a long life, they're not so good. But if you only live till you're 79 or 80, they can be very powerful to protect your loved ones and to allow you to have a better retirement during the years that you do have. So regardless of whether your life expectancy ends up being very long or maybe it's projected to be shorter, which... First thing we want to do is talk about health and how can you make it longer, hopefully. 
But the genetic lottery isn't something we choose. We either win it or we don't. So if genetics are against you, monitoring and proactive medicine is all you can do. Um, you still have to deal with those genetic markers, so to speak. But we can plan financially to protect your loved ones and, and yourself as much as possible. I was going to ask, you've mentioned couples a few times. How is the planning different for an individual versus a couple? Sure. So when you're talking about longevity, you've got to, you know, most of us that are married a long, long time, so I've been married a very long time, you care about your wife, you, you love your, your spouse, and you want to take care of them. So when you're making choices on your social security or your pension or your private pension, if we build one, it's looking at both lives. So we want to have the best odds possible to make sure we're making a good investment decision based on both lives, not one. If you're a single individual, we're typically just looking at that individual's life and we're going to optimize things for that individual because they are not having to worry about a surviving spouse. Now, they still may be worried about their kids or their loved ones that they're trying to provide for. So we still address that. But the income is usually for, for yourself and your spouse if you're married, uh, depending upon how it's structured. Now, one caveat here, when you're in a retirement account like an IRA or 401k, you typically can only do it on the participant's life. So you have to construct the portfolio to take care of both. It's not as simple as saying, hey, we'll opt for two lives. Since most money is in retirements for most people's portfolios, there's a little bit more challenge to it, but it's it's fairly easy to overcome by spreading the, the risk between the two. And that can, that can take care of things uh, very effectively. And if something happened in the very younger years, we design our strategies so they're not use it or lose it. Meaning a traditional pension, when you die, it stops or maybe continues for the spouse and then stops. The way we design these private pensions is our target is to always get a bond-like return or better. And if you pass away, your spouse or even your kids, whoever the survivors are, they get the money you haven't spent. So the only time they don't get anything is if you spent everything and you're collecting basically the added benefits that were built in for the private pension. So it's not a use it or lose it, which I think is important. And structuring it to protect both spouses, I, I think, is critical. All right. Fantastic. All right, Terry, needs, wants, and wishes. If people have questions and they need you to give them some answers, how can they reach you? Sure. We'll, ha we'll have our contact information in the, in the notes. You can always go to, um, on the financial side, our, our website is www.weriaadvisors.com. And of course, you can always just reach out to us at the office at 916-325-0130. Um, we'll be glad to talk to you and help you where we can. And again, we're going to put in the show link notes here. We're going to put the link where you can do your, your complimentary custom longevity analysis. Highly recommend it. Um, it gives you a nice roadmap for your retirement construction. It's, it really is helpful. Um, hopefully, you'll all take advantage of that. All right. Well, listeners, join us again when Terry rolls leaves, correct? We're going to get into some really some other topics that will help you with your, your. Absolutely. I, I, I'm a big believer as, as we've talked about in what I call sweat equity. So I like the concept of let's roll up our sleeves, do some work and give all the listeners actionable items each episode. So I'm looking forward to the next few episodes uh, that we've already got planned out for you. And it's going to be exciting. Please like follow or subscribe to Terry's podcast. And of course, share with friends and family. And thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to We Money Talk with Terry Wheeler. Be sure to click the follow button to be notified as new episodes become available. 
information presented is for educational purposes only. No listener should assume that any discussions or information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized advice from We Alliance Wealth Advisors, Inc. or from any other investment professional and is not intended as an offer of solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. We Alliance Wealth Advisors, Inc. is not a law firm or accounting firm and no portion of this podcast should be interpreted as legal, accounting, or tax advice. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not appropriate for every individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified tax, legal, or investment advisors to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation.